0: Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you are made for more. Here's our latest message. You. I'm honored to be in the presence of all you guys today to give the word, to give the message, um, and to ultimately encourage you guys. But before we start, let's pray. Um, God, I just... Uh, come before you humbly um, just asking that you move and you steer and you guide what's being spoken today God whatever needs to be said is from a place of just great glory and great praise for who you are Jesus God I pray that hearts here today are softened and are ready to receive what you have to say to them specifically Lord God may your kingdom come and usher in here today in your name we pray Amen. amen All right, so I'm just going to jump right into it. I want to share a quick little uh, story with you guys. Um, If you guys know my story, if you don't, I'm just going to break it down a little bit. But first, I just want to ask you guys and pose the question, have any of you, and I'm sure many of you have because we've lived life, we've lived years, we've gone through things, have been in moments where it is a moment of just almost darkness where you feel like alone? sad, where you're going through things, you're going through moments, and you are just questioning and wondering. For me, when I'm thinking of that moment, um, personally, I'm thinking of when I was a child. Um, For me, it was my father passed away when I was in fourth grade. Some of you may know that, some of you may don't. Now you do. Um, But I remember in that moment, I was sitting in my room in a mourning stage, in a grieving stage, and I remember crying in my bed one day, just like My body was letting it out, right? My body was trying to figure out the grief, understand what's going on. But even more so, the longing of my soul in that moment was actually asking and posing a question that I didn't fully comprehend in that moment. And I was saying, God, where are you? God, where are you? Even the question some of us have said, God, why have you forsaken me, right? Why aren't you here? I don't feel you. Where is your presence? And something that I have come to know in those weakest, hidden moments where I was trying to figure out where God was is that He was always there. And I've learned that through much discipleship, much leaning into the character of Jesus, trying to understand what His Word is saying. And through that, there has been revelation after revelation that has led me to realize He has always been with me in my moments of weakness, in my moments of sadness. and for you that may look differently those dark moments maybe you got dumped from a relationship that may that's heavy i've been there i've tears cried the whole thing it may be you're going through you went through a miscarriage it may be financial hardship whatever you find yourself in that hardship place where you feel god where are you can i encourage you before we even step further that he's with you even if you're questioning where are you he's there he's in the midst of it he's working through it so today i want to talk to you about the god sees. He sees you. He knows you. He hears you. Um, And he wants to walk with you. So Pastor Sam has done such an eloquent job uh, preaching and encouraging us and inspiring us on the word of God. We've been going through the book of John. So if you guys have your Bibles with you, we're going to continue and dive back into the book of John. And he's been talking to us about the divine nature of Jesus. So we're going to unravel that more. So open up the book of John. You're going to go to John chapter 1, verses 43 through 51. Let's dive right in and go ahead and read. So verse 43 starts out with, The next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree. Before Philip called you, then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He, he then added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angel of God ascending and descending on the son of man. So a little bit of context here. This is taking place. Jesus has left the south at this point, and he is heading north towards Galilee. So some have believed that perhaps he's heading to Cana, where he has found and then called Philip. So in this moment, Jesus is talking to Philip. He's in communication with him. And Philip, honestly, if I were in his shoes, I would be in awe, like, you are the son of God. We've been waiting for you. You are God. You are, Je- you are Jesus. What is going on? This is wild. So imagine being in the presence of the living, breathing God right here in front of you. You would be like, what do I got to do? Let me get next to you. Let me learn from you. What is it? And Jesus is saying, basically, go grab your stuff and come and follow, right? But before Philip does this, he goes and he goes to go tell his friend, Nathaniel. And what is Nathaniel's response? We'll lean into that in a little bit. But the one quote I want to share with you guys, is a theologian, and I just, I love it so much. It says this, one lighted torch serves to light another. One lighted torch serves to light another. So think about your journey. Think about the moment where you have accepted Jesus into your life, or maybe you're in the room and you're like, I'm still trying to figure that out. That's all right. We're here to walk that out with you. But if you have said, Jesus, you are Lord of my life. You are Savior. Imagine how that felt. That moment, for me, it was empowering. It was like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to work. What do we got to do? And I had a light that was ignited inside of me, just like this quote. And it didn't serve just to stay there. It's a light that's meant to light someone else's light and then somebody else's, and share the good news, and share the good news, but in this moment, Philip is so hyped. He's like, all right, Nathaniel, come on, let's go. He's excited, and then Nathaniel responds like you just heard was, is any, can anything good come from Nazareth? Honestly, when I tell people I live in Chino, sometimes they're like, Chino? Chino, you know what's in Chino, right? I'm like, okay, we got cows. Yes, it's a little stinky, No, like, you guys have a prison. like, all right, okay, yes, but you don't really see it. You just drive past it. And then others are like, but then Chino Hills, like, you guys are known for the Ball Brothers, right? Yes, sure. Okay, but then politics. And I hear all of these things, and I'm like, we're known for all of these things, but honestly, truthfully, my prayer one day is that we aren't known for those quick little things that come back from something that someone's done, but we're known for the presence of God the glory of God, the movement of God, how incredible would it be if somebody thought of Chino, Chino Hills, Pomona area, and it's like, dang, they're on fire. That torch that was lit, it's on fire for God. How incredible would that be? Amen, yeah, come on. That's the pressing in and the leaning in, that light that serves to light others. And what's beautiful is Philip is that light in this moment, but he's met with the the Chino remark. Anything good can come from there? What is that? What is that? He is met with a disdain. Can anything good come from Nazareth? So basically, Nathaniel was a Jew, right? So in this time, many people who were Jews in the ancient time, they studied the word. They knew the word. They were contemplating, and they were awaiting the coming Messiah. They were waiting, waiting and waiting and waiting. So there's moments where... Um, They just sit and imagine if you've read your scripture. You've learned it your whole life. You've read from Genesis all the way to the end of the Old Testament. You're just like, Lord, when are you coming? Lord, when are you coming? And it says in verse 45, it says, if you go back, it says, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets had wrote Jesus of Nazareth. So Philip's saying, we have found the one. We found Jesus of Nazareth. Can And then Nathaniel, right back, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked, come and see, said Philip. Can I be honest? Many times when I'm trying to encourage people to come in and lean into church, if I sat there and started telling them all the reasons why they should, they might have more reasons of why they shouldn't sometimes, right? And in this moment, all... Philip had to do was just say, come and see. Come and see. I don't need to give you all the reasons. He probably could because God's so great in his glory and his wonder. All he had to say is come and see because he knew when he got in the presence of God, that's all Nathaniel needed to sit in wonder. He just needed to be in the presence of God, and God would do the rest. That's all he needs sometimes. Just get in my presence. Get in around me, lean into me, get around me, and I will do the rest. So when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said to him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And then Nathaniel responded, how do you know me? He's never, Nathaniel's never been in front of Jesus before, physically, right? He's never seen him in this moment but I'm sure he's contemplated on the thoughts of the coming Messiah. He's thought about him. He's prayed about when that moment would come. And then as we continue to to dive in, we're going to understand a little bit more about how Jesus truly knew, because we know Jesus is incredible and remarkable in so many ways that we have yet to fully grasp until we're in the kingdom of heaven, right? So here we see John's expression in the light and divine nature of Jesus, Nathaniel, is taken back. How is it possible that you know me? Nathaniel's asking, how do you know me? You've never met me. I haven't walked past you in the marketplace. I haven't walked past you like what we do in shopping. I haven't gone to school with you. You're not from my town. We didn't grow up together. I don't know you from your mother to their mother to, I don't know you. How do you know me? And this is the God we serve. He knows you. Do you know that? Wherever you're at, like I was saying earlier, the moments, the darkest moments, God knows you. He knows your heart. He knows the inner workings of what you're thinking, what you're contemplating, what you're going through. Like I said, the dark moments, if it's a miscarriage, if it's a burden of financial, whatever you find yourself, whatever circumstance you're in, he knows you. Because he's written the depths of your soul and your story. He knows what's going to come, what's been, and what is. And in Psalm 139, it says this. You have searched me, Lord. You know me. You know where I sit when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. And you are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hear me, you, are, you hem in behind me and before me, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Friend, God knows everything about you. He calls you. He desires to be in proximity with you. He wants you to lean in, and what's beautiful is it's an invitation, but he desires your heart. Not only does he know you, but in his knowing, in his understanding of you, he still wants to be in relationship with you, because I can tell you, I have a mess. I have a mess that I walk with and I deal with, and it's like, Jesus, you still want to know me? You still want to be in proximity with me? Are you sure? Because, like, I got a lot of junk. My dad died when I was in fourth grade. I had a miscarriage before Lenya. There's things that I'm still actively working through. God, are you sure I'm not too messed up? And I can guarantee you, sometimes people have thought, you have thought those same questions. My mess is too much. But God is saying, I know all of your mess. And I still want to be in proximity with you. I want to be in relationship with you. Come on, Grandma Liz. <laughs> Hi, me up. Let's go. Um, And verse 48, it says, how do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. So Jesus is saying, I saw you before Philip even sat there and told you to come and see. I saw you. I know you. Before you even knew that. Have you guys ever been in moments of deep contemplation? I know I have where you wonder and you think about life. For me right now, because my season with our two girls is, it's wild. Sometimes we don't get nap time at the same time. So I hop in my car. See me riding down Chino? That's me trying to put them to sleep. And I'll hop in my car, and when they're both asleep, that is my deep contemplation time, if I'm being honest. I enjoy, once I can lower the music and I can just hear the lull of the road, and those are the moments where I say, God, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me press into your presence. Let me pray. Let me give you what's on my mind. Gosh, let me give you my struggles. Let me give you my my triumphs. Let's just talk. Let's be in relationship. For me, those moments are the contemplation moments. But for you, it might be different. I know for Sam, when we were married, he would drive to the beach and just sit and listen to the waves crash. For you, it may be just getting out in the sun and taking a walk and feeling the sunshine hit your shoulders and knowing that how good is God that he even created that sun that hit your shoulders, that's just, ah, there's so much majesty in that. And then the, the ability to just sit there and contemplate. To be honest, before I had kids, it was while I was working out. I would go to the gym, put my headphones on, get in the zone. And it was just me and God. I had worship on. It was us. Pumping iron, we were having our moment, right? <laughs> it looks different with kids, trust me. Um, it may be drinking coffee before you wake, w- wake up. Opening your Bible, whatever it is for you, take yourself there. Where have you had moments of contemplation? And what's crazy is our culture doesn't push that, does it? Our culture is a go, 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 go. What do you have next? Even sometimes I try to catch myself when people ask me, oh, how's it going? Oh, it's good. It's just busy. I try to catch myself and not respond that way because our culture likes us being busy. I've heard somebody say if the enemy can keep you distracted, keep you busy, he can keep you further away from God's thing because you're just too caught up on everything else right? So if he can keep you busy, how can we sit and contemplate the things of God if we're not creating the space to sit in his presence and soak in his word and learn his word? He is our rabbi. He is our shepherd. He is our teacher. So if we're not creating space for that, how can we understand him? He knows us, but now it's our ability to lean in to understand his will, his way, his purpose for our life, yes? So this is where Nathaniel was at. He was in a place of contemplation. He was at the fig tree. And so in ancient time, the fig tree back then kind of represented a place of peace, a place of contemplation. You would go under the fig tree, its branches were vast. And you could sit and rest in the shade. And you could just sit and ponder the things of God. So this is where we find Nathaniel, where Jesus is saying, I saw you under the fig tree. I saw you. And so Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree. But it is not so much that Jesus had seen him. Under the fig tree, that surprised Nathaniel. Can I be honest? Because it could just be like a deja vu thing. Like, oh, I saw you under the fig tree. Ah, Did I dream that? Maybe. Was that a moment that I? No. It was because Jesus saw the innermost of his heart while he was under the fig tree. He knew the thoughts and the things that he was thinking and the things that he was wrestling with. And Jesus was able to speak to the depth of his soul. And that inmost of his heart, the inner works the place that we don't even let some of our closest friends into, Jesus says I see that, let me in I want to be there, I know your heart's cry, I know what it feels like to wrestle with life um, so the fig tree was a place where he just sat and pondered God when are you coming? God this financial stuff, God this this quarrel with a brother and a sister, God this Ability to get through this life in one piece. God, the ability to press in, whatever it may be, He was contemplating life. He was seeking peace, resting, processing, but He was meditating on the promises of God. He was in relationship with Jesus, conversation, community, and thinking on the things of God. So the fig tree represented a place of peace where you can step into the presence of God's goodness. And you know, Jesus is considered the prince of peace. So when you're sitting in his presence, how beautiful to encounter the prince of peace, just meditating on his word, understanding who he is. And so then Nathanael meets Jesus. He meets the prince of peace, and he's questioning him. He's wondering, are you sure, Nazareth? There was like a rivalry. Like we have Chino, Chino Hills. Are you sure? Nothing can come from Nazareth the, the messiah are you sure and so he was questioning and so likely like we do we question things and we wonder and we contemplate but what's great is that in that moment under the fig tree experiencing peace he met the prince of peace right face to face and still he questioned it but yay come on he met the prince of peace and his life will forever forever never 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 be the same and we'll continue to see that and so in genesis It says, so this is Jacob. Jacob had a dream, and he's talking about his dream. So in Genesis, it says, Jacob had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top, reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. There above it stood the Lord. I am the Lord, the God of the father of Abraham, the God of Isaac. I will give you your descendants in the land in which you're lying. So that was in Genesis. Can we go back to the verses that we just read? So in Genesis, they're proclaiming a dream, the resting of the stairway, the ascending and descending, reaching to heaven. The Lord of God is at the top of it, and that is just incredible. But that is in Genesis, the very beginning. So can you imagine a Jew who studied the Old Testament, known it, spent his life understanding it, And he knows that in Genesis it says that, that there is a God who is going to be in the midst of us, right? And the stairway resting on the earth with the top reaching to heaven, the angels of God were ascending and descending, and stood the Lord at the top of that. I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. So if you go to the very, very, very top of the scripture that we read in 1 John. At the very bottom, it starts at verse 51. This was said, he then added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So that's Jesus saying, you will see this. And that's Nathaniel saying, you are quoting Genesis? You think you, What? I know this because I've studied this my whole life. And so in that moment, it was confirmation that you are the Lord. You are God. You are the Messiah. You know because you have just recited that. And then now in your glory, in your presence, here I am. You knew the depths of my heart. You knew the longings of my soul. You knew me in my moments of peace. You knew me in my moments of turmoil. How did you know me? We haven't even met till now, Jesus. Come on. He's like, well, Jesus, I am. He is the great I am. He knows what we're going through, and he knows our soul, right? So in that, that is sometimes all Nathaniel needed was to just, like Philip said, he didn't argue with him. He didn't say, this is why you need to come, point B, point C, look at my PowerPoint. This is what I got to show you. This is Jesus. He just said, come and see. Get in his presence. Be around him. That's all you got to do, and he's going to do the rest. And what did Jesus do? He said, look at me. I don't have to say much, but you are in the midst of the almighty, the great I am, God, who has come. And what's crazy is in this verse, it says, at the top reaching to heaven, the angels of God were ascending and descending. They were above it, stood the Lord. So at the very top of the stairway, take yourself there, visualize it. Imagine a stairway from heaven, and at the very, very top is the Father, the Lord. And Jesus has come down for us. You know, all before Jesus had arrived, other relationships with um, just religion and how it's done, it is very much so like, what do I got to do to get there? How do I climb that ladder? And Jesus is saying, yeah, the Father's up here, but I've, I've ascended down this ladder. I've ascended to be in the presence. I have come down to be here. I've come down to witness to all of you and show you that I am God, right? And so it is no longer a striving. It is no longer a climbing. It is no longer, I got to do this to attain because Jesus is saying, I'm here. The presence of God is here. He has brought heaven on earth. So many times people like to say, well, I'm going to do that until I get, like, I'm working to get to heaven, but heaven's already here. Jesus came down with, to be here, bring heaven on earth. So what are we doing personally? What are we doing with the access that we have to Jesus? How are we shaping the culture of this world to usher in the kingdom of heaven here with what we've been given, what we've been stewarded, what we have? How have we done that? And so... Jesus is saying to Nathaniel in this moment, Nathaniel, I can do far more for you and everyone than just read your heart. I can do far more than just know what's in your soul. I can be more for you and everyone. I can be the way, the ladder that leads to heaven, but I also have come down to be here, to bring heaven here on earth. It is through Jesus alone that we have access to heaven on earth, access to the Father, And through that access, you know it says in scripture, we can't have access necessarily to the Father unless we go through Jesus, Christ alone. Through Jesus, we have access to the Father. So if we're not sitting here saying, Jesus, I surrender it all, you have my life, Lord, you are the God who sees, we want access to heaven. Well, Jesus has come down to give us that access, that authority, that anointing, that that ability to do that. So in that moment, Nathaniel was cleaned of a heart of pride thinking he knew it all, thinking he knew knew what the Messiah was going to look like and how it was going to be. Prejudice against a different area in a different town. Nothing could come from there. Well, the Messiah did. The Messiah was from there. And he was then satisfied of the longing and the cravings of his soul because Jesus knew it. Before he even had to open his mouth, he knew it. So God is the God who sees, even under the fig tree. And so the God who sees, there's many different names for God in the Bible. Some people will relate to him as Jireh, provider, right? Um, and today it is the God who sees. So El Roy, that is his name. He is El Roy. He is the God who sees. He is the God who knows. So he sees right there in your weakness of motherhood. Can I be honest to all the moms? It is brutal. It's hard. We just had Mother's Day. Praise God for all the mamas in here. You're strong. But he sees you in those. He sees you in your pain and your confusion and your suffering and your longing and your crying and your weakness. He sees you in the moments where you think nobody understands what you're going through. He does. He gets it. He knows what you're going through. He sees you. Come on. He sees in the moments where you may feel abandoned. Can we be honest? We live in a broken world where parents, fathers, friends, people, they abandon us and it leaves us broken, scarred, and wounded. Has he not come to heal us? We're healed by his stripes. So he sees you. He's paid the price. He's paid the victory. But he says, I see you in those moments. Just lean into my presence. Press into me. I see you. I know you in your grief, in your turmoil. turmoil. Whatever it is, God sees you. He hears you. He knows you. So guys, if I can stress it anymore, just press into the presence of God. Because sometimes that's all you need. Get in his presence. And he's going to do the rest. But don't just wait there and press in and just say, okay, God, Okay, God, it requires a leaning in. It requires a, okay, let's do some work. Let's open my Bible. Let's learn the scriptures. Because, quite frankly, Nathaniel, he wouldn't have had that revelation if he had not known the book of Genesis and all the way to the Old Testament. He would have been like, ascending and descending on the ladder. Well, that's a fun phrase. No, he knew that in Genesis because he's meditated on the word of God. So press in. Do the work. Do that. But God's presence is enough. Can I tell you that, too? But can we do our part, too, guys? Can we learn his word? Can he learn his, his scripture, his word? Because he is our rabbi. He is our teacher. Let him teach us. Let him show us the way, the truth, and the life more abundantly. So God, guys, he sees you. He knows you. And not only does he see you, he knows the longings of your heart. He knows the longings of your soul. He knows where you're at, wherever that fig tree is for you. He knows the thoughts and the conversations that you have in those moments, the cries of your hearts, the moments you've been let down. He knows them all, and he's just saying, just meet me there. I'm waiting. Meet me in those moments. Let me be shepherd. Let me be rabbi. But also let me put my hand on your shoulder and let you know that it's going to be okay because I see your future. There's so much more in store for your future, but lean in to his presence. Worship, you guys can come on up. Lean into his presence. Lean into his goodness, because he sees you. He is El Roy. He is almighty. He is glorious and good beyond all things you could ever imagine. So press in, guys. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word, Jesus. God, I thank you for what you've come to do. The lead, the guide, the shepherd that you are to many, Jesus. God, I thank you for your presence, your ability to step into a room and let someone leave forever changed. God, I pray that today, as your word was spoken, it has touched and pierced the hearts of your people, God, and that we can walk out of here encouraged and inspired, but not just that, with a sustaining faith to carry us through the week to lean into your word, Jesus, to press into your presence, to know your goodness, to know your glory, and to know more of you, Jesus, because you are the God who sees. You are El Roy. You see all of it, Jesus. You just want to.